Welcome to Millennial Murmurs, a podcast addressing millennial career questions, queries, and curiosities to help them navigate the jungle of the modern working world. everybody and welcome to today's podcast on the topic of career breaks and travel. I'm your host Nathan Peer and today my guest is Claire Logan. Claire was previously an associate at Wild Gottschall in New York before taking a career break to travel and that's where our path crossed. She's just started an exciting new role at a boutique in LA and just to note all views are her own. Claire welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here and discuss this with you. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah, I'd like to start and just love to hear a bit about why you initially decided to pursue a career in law. Yeah. So I grew up in a town in West Texas, not the smallest town, but kind of isolated. And when I was younger, mm-hmm. I never wanted to be in the energy business, which is pretty much what everyone does in my town. I mean, a lot of women aren't don't work either. Um, so I was always interested in politics. I loved writing and uh-huh. reading. Um, and those were kind of my skill set. I entered on the Hill one summer. I worked for the Attorney General, a bunch of different things. And it was one of those things where people, I think, you know, teachers or parents would say, oh, you, you should uh, consider going to law school. You love reading. You're a good writer. Um, and I just think it would suit. I'm outgoing and you know, talkative and opinionated. So people always say, you know, oh, you should be a trial lawyer, which I don't do. And I have never had any interest in doing, but that kind of natural (laughs) thing will say, this is a good, we think maybe, I don't know how much they really knew, but we think this might be a good fit for you. And so I had explored the political thing a little bit, um, like majored in government and Spanish in undergrad and felt kind of disenchanted just from my time interning thinking, uh, right. this is, I don't love this, <clears throat> like, back and forth fighting. I don't know if I really fit into this um, political system we currently have here in the U.S. I don't, like, feel supercharged by this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I decided to go to law school. And I, I love I loved the experience of law school. So that part was definitely a good, a good choice for me. That's it. And you spent time at a couple of firms, right? Morrison and Forster and then on to Wild. And was but like, how did you enjoy firm life and and like that learning and training experience? Yeah, it's funny. I'm glad that I just started at my new firm because this kind of more informs my opinion on this. But I enjoyed, you know, firms don't to me. I mean, people say, well, when you're a summer associate, you're getting wind and dine, blah blah. But they don't hide what they are. It's no secret what you're hiding, like what you're signing up for. There's no, there's uh-huh. really no. So I um, enjoyed working in big law for all the things, you know, the, the cool deals, the, like big clients that everyone knows, kind of camaraderie, um, beautiful offices, you know, in New York, like wild by yeah. Central Park. Like you can't, you kind of have to be thankful for all of those things and just the infrastructure, you know, assistance, stock production people. You just have so, there's no lack of um support for those kind of like uh support um let's see research any of those kind of services so that's really cool sure. so, and now 
um, I haven't really worked with anyone outside of big law, you know, that's an attorney because we all work with other huge law firms. So mm-hmm. it's been great working with this guy I'm working with. He just is like, wow, your work product is so pristine. He thinks, you know, I'm so, I guess, neurotic about my work, which is really just, you know, I made a joke. I said it's, it's the trauma, but um, no, it's just, <laughs> it's the, it's the training, you know, that we get, which I am thankful for because I just, that is how I draft agreements and review agreements, super intense and methodical. So I think yeah. that piece of big law was a wonderful, and it's it's cool to see that that kind of paid off, that time is paying off in this new role. So, Absolutely. No, I think, I mean, obviously I think that all sorts of different people every day, and I think that's something that consistently comes through is that interesting training and development uh, you know all the jazzy offices and and cool stuff like that is great but it really people want to be mentored and developed so that you can then you know go on and do new things and have new experiences and things for millennial lawyers particularly i think that's really really important and you know i think it's great that you've had that, that experience with those firms because i don't think every firm you know, recognize that as much. And then I'm curious, obviously, you know, when we connected, you were sort of starting this career break and traveling. And I'm curious about what made you decide to take that break. And, you know, did it feel risky? Did you did you feel okay with it? What was it like? Um, you know, I think I I started looking, thinking about next maybe it was September before I left in May. So I, I had a long runway and I didn't automatically decide, okay, I'm taking a career break. Like I started looking around and just seeing if anything felt right. Like was I compelled? And I had always had the travel thing. I'm, I've been a traveler my whole life. Um, like studied abroad in law school and in undergrad and just travel a lot um, as a kid. Um, so mm-hmm. I always have had like the idea of taking off time to travel in the back of my head. So I would say after a few months of poking around the, the opportunities available and seeing what would be a nice transition, I decided, okay, I'm doing this. So my advice, I got all my ducks in a row. I mean, I when I left New York, my, my furniture was sold. My apartment was gone. My clothes were in storage. I had saved a ton of money. Um, so I kind of set myself nicely for it. I think that mm-hmm. had I not um, kind of had a little bow around everything. I would have had more anxiety leading into it and during it. Um, just because I met people, I was shopping, like, yeah, I have my apartment back in Dubai. It's $3,000 a month or whatever. Like, I need to get back. It's just, yeah. what? To me, like, what were you thinking? I mean, who knows what their circumstances were? Maybe they needed to leave suddenly, and that's all the time they had. Who knows? But if you are, yeah. my advice is if you're thinking of doing it, Start saving your money immediately. That's the main. That's the main thing. And then, yeah, yeah, and then just plan. But you know, most of the attorneys I know are similar type A, so the planning is pretty like strong suit of ours. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you. I love a good list and uh, and a and a plan generally. And I think especially during COVID, that's a really stressful thing. It's hard to like plan anything. Um, so where did you go? Where did you travel during um, during a break? Yeah, I really went everywhere. I started with my mom, and we went to um, Paris and the French Open, and then we did the Amalfi Coast with a best friend of mine and her mom. So that was a great way to start. Um, 
went to some other places around Europe, had friends meet up, did solo, went down to see um, one of my best friends from childhood who I actually had lived. Um, we lived in Sevilla together when we were 17, and then we have been the surf camp. Like, she's a big traveler, too, so she lives in Kenya now. Um, mm-hmm. And I went and stayed with her um, for two weeks, and she lives in, you know, not Nairobi like two hours outside the real, right. real Kenya. So not that Nairobi's not the real deal either. That's, that's, um, but, you know, it was a really cool experience. And um, I got to see the Great Migration, kind of like wildebeest getting, you know, nabbed out of the water. Pretty cool. And then well, oh I did Dubai and Singapore. This is all um, Dubai and Singapore. And then I went over to, then I went over to Bali for your, you know, eat, pray, love, yoga teacher training. <laughs> but I was like, this is, this is embarrassing, but it's happening right now. <laughs> Absolutely. You should do it. I think Bali's a beautiful place. And when I lived in Hong Kong, I did like those kind of trips. And it's um, it's still an experience. And it's a really like peaceful, beautiful place to be. So I completely get that. Yeah, exactly. And then I went to Seoul. And then I went to Nepal with my dad, and we did a Himalayan trek. Wow, that was the highlight. That was just to get up. It's weird, like, just to know that you're getting up and just walking that day. Even I haven't been employed for a year. It's just totally different yeah. experience. No, literally, today, you just have to walk for 15 miles in these mountains. That's it. There's no other question. Like, even what you're going to eat, they, you know, you're in the Himalayas. They have, like, no food available. You, you're going to eat lentils and bread. That's it. So. Yeah. That kind of just simplification, wow. And the people, of That's course, amazing. incredible. The mountains, I mean, the whole thing. And then I went to Shanghai, and that was, um, that was the full, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> just those places. So uh, I don't think I missed anywhere, but yeah, I kind of did a full, yeah. I did a full um, world around the world. I mean, no, South. I'm a weather person, so I'm not going to like South America in their winter. I'm never going to, yeah. I'm not doing that. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Fantastic. it was incredible. That's great. No, I, I love that story as well about, um, you know, walking with your dad as well and that disconnect from, from the grid, right? Like I, I imagine, and this is kind of my next question is, um, you know, I take it, you think it was beneficial. It was good for your mental health and well-being and, overall perspective and you know just that that 15 miles that's what you've got to do today you're not checking emails you're not looking at your phone um did you like yeah i presume you felt a sense of kind of empowerment and refresh was was there anything that particularly came strong for you you know it's weird nepal unlike any place i've ever been and i've done a a good number of the off the grid things because i just hate cell phones and I don't like social media I don't like technology I know technology is incredible but I don't like like the daily kind of interaction um I think for me Nepal's the only places I've ever been that I think about all the time and it's just their their life and um of course this isn't for everyone but in the mountains um it's just the most peaceful there's never a second where you're like annoyed by something or come across something that rubs you the wrong way or and the total lack of decision having to make any decisions is um, great so I don't know just this feeling of calm and 
sounds funny, but safety, even though you're kind of walking in precarious situations, you, you know, you have a guide, um, or the trail we went on, you have to have a guide. Not all of them require that, but, um, yeah, just this gentle, peaceful feeling that it's, that's like a career break thing and just, you know, cultural, cultural differences and the setting. So, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So I'm curious about, you know, given big lawyers, you know, very institutional and very sort of rigid. Um, I wondered if you could share any kind of experiences or viewpoints on career breaks generally. Like in my mind, I don't think they're like very supported in the industry as a as a kind of concept. Like it's, I don't think it's very easy to, you know, sort of take a sabbatical or take some time out. Um, but maybe I'm completely wrong on that. And I just wondered if you had any experiences on, you know, people's opinions on whether career breaks are good, if you saw any generational differences and just wondered what that looked like for you, really. Yeah. It's certainly easier than telling a partner who you spend a lot of time with that you're going to another firm. That, yeah. <laughs> that is the most uncomfortable. Um, this right. got um, wildly different reactions. So I think kind of older partners who've been doing, you know, they've been a partner for 15 years, you know, being in law for 20, like 25 or whatever. Um, they, they kind of can't, you know, people are getting married later, having kids later. So it's the whole thing of generational. I just remember one of the partners being like, Oh my gosh, like, what are you going to do? How are you going to have money? I just looked at him. I'm like, this whole time I've been single. I haven't paid for a single human besides me for the past five years. Like, you know, he, I feel like he just couldn't really fathom that. I think he even had kids while he was in law school. So anyway, just that kind of, this is an option. Um, But I mean, still everyone, everyone was like happy for me, but definitely some people were kind of baffled, I guess. Um, and then younger, some younger partners, I kind of got the impression they were like, Ooh, I wish that would have been cool to take the time to do that. Um, but supportive and like, you know, good luck, um, associates across the board were like, Oh my gosh, tell me everything. (laughs) um, Everyone was, everyone was supportive. Um, but definitely it could be kind of amusing in some of the conversations, like, and I totally understand what they're saying. You know, they, if you have two kids and a mortgage, you're not going to be really just deciding you're out of there. Yeah. 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 But I think it's great. Like I think being able to demonstrate that it's possible and yes, it takes some planning and, you know, it's not a kind of like mainstream idea, um, you know, in, in the context of big law, but you know, in the future it might be, because I think that from, from what you said and just my own experiences of traveling and working and things like that, I think it really just gives you it gives you new perspective and, and new experiences. And I think we're an experience-driven generation. And I think it just, I think it kind of puts some fire under you and like keeps you going in some ways, you know, and the kind of hamster wheel. And I, yeah, I just, I hope it gets more and more embraced really. I think it's kind of my idea and more like international secondments and things like that. You know, I think those things would be really cool um concepts that well, you know people could, could offer yeah for sure i think it just forces people like me who've been super linear their whole you know i went straight from i graduated undergrad early went straight to law school straight to working at a firm 
you know, you don't think that much. You kind of had this intense personality since you were young. If you just follow this path that you, you, you know, it suits you, but it's also been laid out for you, not laid out, but people indicate maybe it's a good path for you. I know this hasn't happened to everyone. So just in my experience, you know, it's yeah. kind of like, okay, you're intense. You're doing really well in school. You like working, you like studying, like, here's your path. And then kind of wake up, you know, but 30 years later and you're like, wait, is this how I want to spend my time every day? Is this how I need to spend my time every day? And so once yeah. you no longer have a job, you have the time to think about it. One, because working in big law, even when you're not actually working, it is all that occupies your brain because you're just worried that at any second something's going to happen or you get something wrong or whatever, you know, you're stressed about. Um, so it gives you kind of that mental space and to just enjoy Enjoy your days and not be so worried about what's next. So yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah, no, I like that. So, do you think? I mean, in terms of like an overall millennial lifestyle, which I think is like a funny idea and and um, concept, and I think some people are sort of shocked by that or, or whatever. You know, that phrase invokes in people. But I'm curious, you know, your experiences, and and especially now working at you know a small boutique and um, you're sort of getting a, a different feel to big law. Do you think that the legal industry is moving in a positive direction towards that, like work-life balance or more flexibility, more time off, more? Um, you know, I think the main idea is really kind of controlling your own life and and having experiences right. as an overall concept and idea. Compared to maybe like I think other industries that are quicker moving, like tech and things like that. You know, they're perceived as cooler. Uh, do you, uh, like, how far behind do you think the legal industry is? I think for lawyers, it's not as much. We aren't desiring for, you know, kombucha and a ping pong table. That's not <laughs> that alluring to our, I would say, I, I'm speaking in generalities, obviously, this whole time. So I never, I don't want to offend anyone if they, you know, this is my opinion. Um, yeah, if, I, that's if not that's protesting for kombucha in the, the office. Yeah, like that's not particularly alluring to me. The whole thing, you're right, it's just time ownership, you know. It's it's trust me to my job. And that's it. Know that I'm accountable. Call me. You can't see me, but call me. You know, like I think that's yeah. the whole thing. But big law firms, you know, they are trying, but it's just I think it's the whole there's just too many things. It's too hierarchical, it's too formal. The partners are under way too much pressure. They can't, you know, they're having to depend on the four people below them. And then if you are 30 minutes late on something, they're having a panic attack, which you understand, because then they, we might lose our biggest client. And there's so much competition in the legal industry. You know, it's just, I think it's just the nature of it. Like partners, and especially as people of the millennial generation are moving up, people are trying to be more understanding. But I think the stress level and kind of the stakes and maybe it's our fee structure and the billables I think just so much has to change for everyone to feel comfortable and maybe and maybe corona I'm not I'm not experiencing big law you know in the time of corona <laughs> so I don't right I don't know how that's been maybe this was a big shift for for them and partners who have never worked from home are realizing oh this is kind of nice for me and nice for my associates, but I get why 
I get why it doesn't fit. You know, that's the thing. I, there's just too much stress and that's, that's a shame, but I do think that's just the reality. And I don't know what, what will change that. Um, Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't think there's any real, for some stuff, you know, as lawyers, you do need to be, um, it's not common. And I think that will change, but there are things that you're like, oh, that's beneficial for us to all be in the same room. You know, if you're doing a deal and you are working in the night and stuff, you, you want to be like face to face with people. No one really wants to have to bother with calling you on the phone. Right. Um, I, there's definitely a big law could do more, but, and I do think partners hopefully over time will get more comfortable to sit. Like if you trust your associate and they're working from home, you know, try to, when they call, try not to, you know, insinuate that they're actually like yoga or what. Like, I don't know. You kind of always have that right. feeling that they never believe you. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm right here. It's right here. But, and then That's other okay. people, because of big law and how you are constantly under so much, so many different eyes, because you kind of have so many different bosses, you know, that does lead to people, say you're trying to get on a 9 p.m. flight, you want to sneak out at 7 it does lead to people kind of trying to take advantage where there is space. It's a weird yeah. kind of double-edged thing where it's like, oh, okay, I actually, like, this would be great for me. But it's just, in the end, somehow finding a way where you have associates you, you know, 99% trust in letting them have their schedule. That's, that's the key thing. Yeah, no. I, 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 think, I think all of that is so on point. And, um, I get, like, I think as an industry and, and a profession, there are times when you need, like, a certain amount of structure or face-to-face meetings and things like that. Um, but I mm-hmm. think you highlighted it. It's not, like, one thing, all of these cool extra bells and whistles that still everyone being in the office. It's just owning your own time um, and being trusted to do that. But, I, like, as you said, I think a lot of it is sort of institutional to big law. And so it's how do you really make impactful change and and therefore, like, help retention. You know, I think all of those things feed into it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the retention thing is a big thing because I feel like partners don't want to mentor associates because their thought is, oh, well, you'll just be gone anyways. And this is self-fulfilling. I feel like it's kind of circular, but yeah, that's a separate conversation. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah no, I, I got you saying. And I'm curious, like, I like this whole idea of being able to travel and work because, I'm, you know, I, I like that sort of experience, and I wonder, like, do you think there's space in law or generally, or, or what are your thoughts on, on, like, working remotely from different places, you know, not necessarily in the same city that your base office is, um, and you said your, your experience in COVID has been different. Is there anything you think interesting in that that's worthwhile highlighting that you learned from your travels or your new role? I mean... I think as long as you can set up set up shop, I mean, we need two screens. You need a giant monitor. Like if you're a corporate attorney, if there's no doing your work on your laptop in any real way. I mean, you can yeah. send emails, but um, as long as you can have that, you know, internet connection, be on the time zone you need to be on um, and have your kind of office set up, I think you can work anywhere. Um, it is annoying when someone's trying to work remotely and 
their phone is cutting off the whole time. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> we'll call you later. This is it. We're all sending an email, you know, <laughs> but it's not the end yeah. of the world, but if you're, if it's going to become a common thing, then you wouldn't obviously want that to happen every day. Um, yeah. And so, I think yeah, that's no, on think- you to, that's what I was going to say. I think that's on you to like have all of that set up, right? I think if you're going to do that sort of thing, you need to like get a really good um, Wi-Fi spot or something like that. Yeah, I, I think for me, working kind of as my own boss-ish and working from home, what's cool is I I work best really early in the morning and then late at night. I don't like working in the middle of the day. So mm-hmm. it's like unless there's something I need to do between you know two and five then i'll be you know on a bike ride by the beach or having a coffee you know it's just my efficiency level and productivity level so much higher when i'm operating on a schedule that's more natural for me Mm -hmm. which is also hard in big law because it's just like this constant demand and you never know when a client's going to need something urgently which that's one of the downs i mean in this practice our clients don't say I, I need this, you know, in, in two hours, which in big odds is quite common. So yeah. um, that makes that kind of having a more flexible schedule a little tricky because you really do have to jump when they say, yeah. hi, would you mind doing this? You know, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Um, well, that's really insightful. Thank you. So now there's a space for a couple of questions um, that you can ask me, and it's a section where, yeah, if you've ever wondered anything about recruitment or millennials or anything, the UK, I don't know, <laughs> like whatever you want to ask, yeah. you can uh, you can ask. Yes. Are there any particular industries you think are keen on hiring attorneys? Um, and then, yeah, of course. I think every New Yorker would love to live in London. So um, how difficult, you think the easiest path is just from one big law firm to another to work to work abroad? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think industry-wise, um, yeah, I mean, I think every industry, um, you know, has a need for attorneys in some kind of way or, you know, there's a growing need if you, if you look at the different, like, you know, ones that are well-established versus growing industries. Um, you know, I think there isn't that need for advisory more than anything. You know, I think people obviously are, are more reluctant to litigate, but, um, you know, I definitely think there's value there in, um, you know, if you look at things like obviously pharma, financial services, well-established, you know, tech, all of that is, you know, has that demand there in lots of different pockets and capacity, um, you know, whether whether is that. I don't think there's any kind of one over the other that, that wins, I think. What I say to people as well, I think it's it's really, especially for this generation, for millennials, I think we you're really doing things that you're passionate about, and that's the most important thing. Um, because you know, really, kind of what you you spoke about, I think you can sort of go on this treadmill for ages, and then wake up at you know 30 years down the line, being like, is this is like when's the end? When am I going to get this kind of dream life that I want to live? Um, right. You know, and I think that that to me kind of the, the the bigger driver and thing and i think it kind of leads into you know that second question about you know going overseas or even a different geography um you know i mean i've done a lot of that work in lots of different ways in in the place that i've lived and um that's always been my driver i'm somebody you know i like traveling i like going to different places but i 
also like luxury. I like indulgence and I'm not, you know, kind of typical backpacker kind of person and neither is my husband. Yeah, so you're not he, a nomad <laughs> Right. So I, it's like I want to be able to like live somewhere, you know, earn money, work hard and then have these experiences in my free time or flexible time, whatever. And that's why I'm really interested in this, this generally of like, can you work and live in different places? And, um, you know, you've both got to have a flexible job or whatever your situation is that allows you to do that. But I think it's a really great way to, to live and get new experiences. And I do think it, you know, working in different places and different cities, um, whether just in the US or internationally, does give you, you know, a really rich, interesting skill set. I mean, I think you, you've always got to think like what travels and why. And I, I remember when, you know, I, I studied Mandarin and Russian at undergrad level. And when we lived in China, you know, we like met different careers people and, and all sorts of capacities. And I remember somebody said to me, like, you need a skill set. You need to be able to do something. You don't just need your languages. When um, it's just so true because you, you've got to travel with something that someone's going to want to employ you for. Um, you know, and I think that's why traditionally like transactional work travels well because you, you're always going to be able to then find somebody who wants your services or wants to employ you to give your services to clients um right. and i think that's the sort of biggest thing way to think about it but also just shape your lifestyle and be bold and it's scary and you you know you have that feeling you get to a new place either when you're traveling oh. or work or whatever and you're like where am i what am i doing but yeah. i think in the long run it's great definitely a lot more on like I said people like me who had such a structured linear path you know it's much more entrepreneurial and I think that's the thing that holds a lot of people back is you don't know what you're going to get paid every month you have to work on bringing clients something I'm working on now um networking you know all these things that are set in stone for you um are not it's a little uncomfortable you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you get the biggest growth going out of your comfort zone. I really believe that as a sort of epoch in life and it can be terrifying and you're like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing? But I think that, you know, with, you're smart, you're bold, you, you've got to like grab opportunity and, and make things happen. Um, you know, I never thought I'd live in New York um, ever. I'm from a, like a small city in the UK and yeah, it's just, it's funny kind of how career takes you and life takes you on different journeys so it's great well um yeah. thank you so much for joining me today i really really appreciate it It was lovely speaking with you and of course um, hearing your experiences i thought your stories were great um and thank you very much yeah, thank you very much thank you for listening to millennial murmurs follow us at the legal talent talk network and enjoy topics affecting legal talent today